Welcome to the Coronation Merchant Bank podcast series, where we discuss economic, market, growth and development trends, as well as relevant topical themes. My name is Shinwe Edwim, Chief Economist of Coronation Merchant Bank, and I will steer these conversations. Each episode promises to be interesting, and I am confident you will receive insightful nuggets from our discussions. Now let's get started. The Nigerian economy has maintained steady positive growth over the past few quarters. This consistent positive performance can be largely attributed to sustained growth in the non-old economy, especially in select sectors such as agriculture, uh, manufacturing, construction, real estate, and telecommunications. Now, according to the National Bureau of Statistics, GDP grew by 3.5% year-on-year, in the second quarter of 2022, compared with 3.1% year-on-year recorded in the first quarter of the same year. However, on a Q&Q basis, that is a quarter-on-quarter basis, it contracted by about minus 0.4%, and this reflects slower economic activity compared with the preceding quarter. The Q&Q decline can be partly attributed to upticks in prices of deregulated petroleum products such as diesel and aviation fuel, as well as select manufacturing inputs on the back of the ongoing Russia-Ukraine crisis. Now, there are concerns around the capturing of the informal economy, which, by the way, represents no less than 50% of Nigeria's total GDP, especially in terms of employment and job creation. But unlike the formal economy, economic activities within the informal economy are not captured in the country's national accounts. Therefore, current GDP figures do not fully reflect the informal economy and by extension, potentially understating Nigeria's GDP. Now looking ahead, we expect another positive GDP growth in 2022. However, it is worth noting that GDP growth figures close to the estimated population growth in any country, and in this case, the population growth rate for Nigeria is 3%, are good, but not worth long-term celebration. It points towards an absence of inclusive growth. In this episode, we take a deeper dive into Nigeria's growth figures and its interlinkages. My guest today is Professor Joseph Nana. He is currently the Chief Economist of the Development Bank of Nigeria. He is a seasoned professional with numerous years of experience in the U.S. mortgage, banking, manufacturing, the telecommunications industry, and academia. The national accounts for Q2 2022 were recently released, and we now have a H1 perspective on economic performance of Nigeria's economy. I am looking forward to dissecting the numbers and Q2 trends recorded in this recent uh, GDP release. So Joseph, let's begin. My first question is, the growth trend was maintained on a year-on-year basis to an extent Upward GDP growth is considered by monetary policy authorities, and uh, currently we see that 
monetary policy authorities are facing high inflation rate trends. And um, this is an economic indicator that is highly considered when making decisions around tightening. We expect Nigeria's Monetary Policy Committee to meet in September. What do you think about the 3.5% year-on-year GDP growth influencing another rate hike, given the steady upticks we've been seeing in inflation? Uh, hi, Chingwe. Nice to be on your program. Um, good question. So, yes, the 3.5% year-on-year growth is laudable to a large extent. However, um, the central bank in relation to the monetary policy um, meeting coming up and whether a rate hike would be considered, they, they obviously consider inflation being a heavy weight as part of their thinking. But beyond that, though, they look at the money supply as well. So money supply to me, whether it's M2 or even M3, is um, quite um, critical to the decision-making process beyond other exogenous variables that is affecting the economy, the, the Russia-Ukraine war, supply chain bottlenecks, and so on. But um, in relation to the money supply, where I'm going to zero in on, I would imagine that um, the central bank and the monetary policy authorities will essentially um, likely maintain um, the NPR because they're going to want to take a cautious pause to look at the overall activity to see if inflation um, comes down a bit, given that when you raise the NPR, that's essentially slowing down economic activities, making it harder to borrow funds and conduct business in the country. So I would imagine take a conservative stance and just um, maintain rates and keep monitoring. However, if I was a betting man, though, and if I was in their position, I would increase the, um, the rate, even if it's just by uh, 25 or 50 basis points, simply because I believe the quantum of funds in the shadow economy, or if you like the informal sector, has not been truly accounted for. And that has a lot to do with the overall um, activities occurring in the economy. And, and these folks, uh, some of them aren't even bankable or they don't even have bank accounts in my mind. But if they do have accounts, which I assume a lot of them do, then it should be properly captured. Um, so broadly speaking, I will take a conservative approach and say they will maintain the rates. However, if I was in their shoes, I would increase the rates just by a 50 basis points just to send a signal to the market that to say that, hey, look, we're comfortable with the GDP growth for the year at 3% or so, and we suspect the informal sector can continue to turn on because they don't even have the type of access to finance they require, and yet they're still muddling through. Thank you for that response. I, I'm actually aligned with the view that tilts towards um, increasing the rate or another hike. And um, for us, we have a projection of 50 basis points. Um, so let's see what happens. In <laughs> well, I guess yeah. uh, great minds think alike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so, so let, let's move on. I believe that GDP growth figures close to the estimated population growth, which is about 3%, are good, but like I don't think that they're worth long-term celebration because it kind of points towards an absence of inclusive growth. So it's, it's like growth is a bit skewed. Perhaps growth figures that are as high as 5%, maybe more exciting, 
But can I get your thoughts around inclusive growth in Nigeria? Do you think that the impact of recent positive GDP growth figures um, is actually felt across all economic classes? That, that to me, is a very important, crucial question for this conversation. Um, where I sit at the DBN, um, we look at the macros and drill down at the industry level to see the respective sectors, what is happening there at the MSME subsector, that's the micro, small, and medium enterprises. And I can tell you that um, when we go across the country to see what is going on, there's a lot of pain. While access to finance still remains a challenge, I'm comfortable by saying that, you know, inclusive growth has not been achieved yet, not with the, the level of um, economic activities occurring right now. 3.5% growth is fine, is adequate. It keeps us at equilibrium for the most part, at pace with population growth. However, we need to be growing at a state around maybe five to six percent in my mind. And I say this because the size of the informal sector is probably estimated to be around 65, maybe 60 to 65 percent of the GDP. And quite frankly, um, I don't think uh, the, the NBS is capturing the size of that um, um, informality appropriately. Consequently, I'm of the view that inclusive growth is still elusive. And as a result of that, um, the, the policymakers need to tinker around with um, the policy tools that could create inclusivity in my mind. Having said that, though, um, in the end, the impact might not be felt for quite some time. And that's because sometimes when policies come on board, the information asymmetry is still baked in. And more importantly, um, I feel as though um, the recipients of this policy don't actually understand enough. As a result of that, the consequences aren't truly felt across the board. Mm. You know, I, I'm glad that you touched upon the informal sector in the way that you did, because in your response, you have it contributing at least 60% to the economy. Um, there are thoughts around the informal economy representing no less than 50%. So um, I guess 60 to 65% may be an updated figure that we should um, take note of. Now, if Nigeria had successfully formalized the informal, what sort of growth figures in Q2 would you expect to see from the Bureau of Statistics? That's an easy question, actually. I would easily see double, so maybe around 6.5% just to, to keep things at, uh, at pace with the size of the informal sector. Um, however, I would even argue this. We don't even have to worry about them formalizing per se, because if everybody, that is the, the local authorities responsible for um, tax collection, so the um, state-level internal revenue services, it, um, if they just focus on their core mandate, which is to scope out who's in the economy 
within their jurisdiction doing conducting business. And in the informal sector, for example, um, you can, we, we know there's domestic workers, people who work in different homes as cleaners, as house helps, if you will, as nannies, babysitters. Um, you have people on the streets as hawkers, street vendors. That's a one man, one woman type of business, right? Um, dare I say this, even in Italy, where I, I know you said mentioned Milan, but in Italy, do you know that they actually capture the informal sector as so prostitution, for example, is captured in the growth of the GDP? They know it's like a syntax, but they also are aware it happens. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this to essentially say tax prostitutes or promote prostitution, but we, there are ways to capture these the activities they're doing in the informal sector. For example, I easily propose a policy whereby fiscal fiscal stamp tax, mm-hmm. which implies that these individuals would basically go to their local government tax authorities and pay, they, they, the tax authority would say, you know what, how much did you earn last year? They might even underestimate and say, oh, we earned revenue, total revenue was 200000 Okay, fine. You pay 10% of that up front or on a quarterly basis, and we'll give you a stamp to tell you that you're compliant. And that tax cannot be transferred to your customers as they come. So whatever you're charging them, you put a premium of that extra tax you have to pay to get this operating license, if you will. That kind of makes you semi-formalized in a way. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I am just shooting the breeze, but I think that's like a novel idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I have a follow-up um, point or discussion point. What activity sectors do you believe should be better captured in the national accounts? Okay, um, so... You know, in looking at the national accounts, I think the, the sectors there overall, um, so they do house general household surveys. I'm aware of that. The rural um, sector or agriculture surveys, that's also key because of the 20% or so more it contributes to the GDP, and also labor force um, surveys. So these are generally the three major surveys that the national um, accounts kind of captures in a way. And, of course, there is further dimensioned, of course. But uh, I think in, in, in no certain terms, I, I, like we looked at the um, ICT, for one, but more importantly, we looked at the entertainment, arts entertainment sector. And for Q2, it, it came in at 0.1%. That to me was striking because I really believed um, it will be much higher given the prowess of Nigerian music, uh, entertainment, Hollywood, performance arts, and so on. I just came back from a trip. I went to several countries. One of them was Mauritius. And in Mauritius, we were listening to Nigerian music largely in public places. In Dubai, the same thing. In the U.S., the same thing. And these are just a couple of countries I visited in the past few weeks. And what troubles me is that if the the MBS is computing the the contribution of these sectors and it's only coming in at a paltry 0.1%, and the size of the GDP uh, for Nigeria is closer to 500 billion USD, I would struggle to accept that as the figure. So I would submit perhaps they're capturing it in a different bucket or they're not capturing it properly. So that's one area I would tinker with. 
Additionally, I would even say in terms of the labor force surveys, um, I'm looking at it from the lens of, so in the U.S., every month they come out with how many um, jobs were created in this month and how many people were or still receiving unemployment benefits. If the unemployment benefit goes up, it means less jobs were created and so on, puts a strain on government and so on. So these types of figures is what would help Nigerians know um, how our government is actually performing, you see. And um, the fact that the labor um, market is quite constrained given that MSMEs actually contribute, they're actually far outpaced every other aspect of the labor market. So consider this now. You have a situation whereby um, unemployment was reported last, I think it was Q4 of 2020, if I'm not mistaken, at 33.3%. We also know... Okay, okay, great. So we also know that more people have into the labor market since then. We are a very young population in the country, and there are more people coming into the labor market looking for jobs, and there are not enough jobs being created. So government is doing the heavy lifting and trying to create jobs that are not sustainable because in the end, we know those jobs don't pay commensurate with the skill set they're trying to be deployed. Consequently, private sector has had to take the bull by the horn and create jobs the way they should be creating jobs. However, MSMEs have been, the, in my mind, the largest, they contribute more than 80% of businesses in the country. And to, so the fact that they are the ones who have less access to finance is quite alarming. So if we're talking about national accounts, let's couch it in a way whereby we're reporting the figures accurately. Um, I don't know the, 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 the resources MBS uh, has, maybe they're resource constraints. I don't know. Because in terms of producing these figures, especially on unemployment, it has been delayed. I don't know why, but we need to look into that. But more importantly, beyond that, I know I'm dwelling a lot of this, but because I care about the data. I'm a data I yeah. like to see data. So, and, and it worries me because um, we need data, accurate data, maybe not accurate, let it be semi-accurate. Let it come out. Let's use that number to plan. Because if you can't plan, you cannot progress. Mm-hmm. I'll stop there. Yeah, we need data to navigate properly. That's true. And with just to respond to what you said regarding uh, and the, the Bureau, I think it's not just it's not just the resource constraints. I think there are also like maybe budget issues as well because it's also expensive to um you know, collect data and analyze um, data as well. So maybe budget constraints as well. And then with regards to um, sectors, like the sector that you did mention, it's an interesting um, area. And of course, it's really thriving and doing well um, outside of the country. So I, I see it as a lucrative export, which is the music, the the film. So what what I couch in a word called or a phrase called the orange economy. But yeah. I do think that, that um the Bureau has to look into refreshing or revising the methodology. I honestly don't think that it is captured uh properly. So maybe maybe when they do their rebasing, which is supposed to happen um twenty twenty three, 
um, we would see a significant difference. So green shoots. Um, in Q2, some of the green shoots on a year-on-year -year basis were transport and storage, uh, finance and insurance, telecommunications, trade, real estate, construction, manufacturing, and of course, agriculture. From your vantage point, and given your very close interaction with the real economy on the back of your role, do you see these sectors as actual key drivers? Um, to be honest with you, yes, in the medium to long term. But right now, I don't see them as key drivers, simply because of the uh, FX illiquidity um, bedeviling the country. Um, manufacturing, agriculture, um, construction, all these sectors, minus telecom. But telecom, is, I'll talk about that in a bit. But for these sectors, especially transportation and storage, it kind of filters into these other sectors as well. But um, manufacturing agriculture, they heavily rely on uh, inputs from other countries. And because of that, the FX illiquidity, I, I really do believe um, it's going to be hard for them to actually uh, demonstrate growth in this current climate. And I say this because um, they're probably kind of front-loading right now. So the growth we're seeing there might be elusive. Uh, and I, 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 I'm not, I don't have a crystal ball, but uh, my guess is they're front-loading right now because they realize that in the end, the future is not really certain in terms of the value of the um, currency. So they will do whatever they can to get the, uh, the, the dollars. They can't afford those inputs and bring it in store it and keep on waiting and seeing to see what happens. But they will still be selling at a inflated rate. And that rate is passed on to the final consumers, you and I. So I, I don't know. The, 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 the green shoots, yes, these sectors are showing signs that they, it's coming to life again. But the truth is manufacturing grew at, what, 3%? It's slowing, really. Yeah. Agriculture is at uh, 1%. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, these numbers, I don't really see them as green shoot. If you know that Nigeria, everybody, if you ask the common person on the street, they will tell you they have a farm or they're farmers or something like that. Mm -hmm. Whether it's whether it's substances farming or, or smallholder farmers, everybody's into farming. Mm -hmm. And whether it's animal husbandry, whether it's into crop production and so on, everybody farms. And... And, and and I sincerely believe that these sectors, which you've labeled as green shoots, we have to take it with a grain of salt. Nigeria is a trade economy as well, um, and trade is good because, but not all trade is good. Um, there's something in, uh, in in international trade called autarky, mm -hmm. and autarky is essentially when you're not supposed to trade amongst yourselves. That means the two countries or two counterparts don't have the right um, ingredients to benefit from that trade transaction. Um, I'm saying this from uh, being a technical wonk right now, but essentially it boils down to trade in this instance is not good. But the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, however, gives um, Nigerians a huge opportunity. On the one hand, we may be perceived as a dumping ground because of the borders, our ports and so on, might not be, um, let's just say our ports aren't the best right now, and they should be improving 
because we're in a digital age. But in the end, I sincerely believe there are other mechanisms we can use to mitigate the risks of dumping and so on. Um, PAST, which is the payment system floated by AfriExim, is a good way to wane ourselves off U.S. currency. And I believe the size of the African economy is magnanimous, it's huge enough to, you know, wane us off the need to be dollar dependent. Um, I'll be honest with you, um, the U.S. currency is the most used globally, but in the end, if we trade amongst ourselves, we wouldn't need as much dollar anymore. And that's just the truth. Uh, for telco, 5G is the way of the future. Um, I personally believe we're late in the game, but telco has been growing since the deregulation of the sector back in, when was that, 2001 around there? 99, 2001, that period, the mm-hmm. deregulation of the, the sector. So the Globalcoms, the MTNs of the world, the Nine Mobiles of the world, Airtels of the world, they're all going to be doing well. And that speaks to other sectors because we're in a digital age, as I earlier alluded to. That allows us to essentially use our phones, USSD codes, and so on. Education will spill into telco. You have fintech spilling into telco, trade transactions in telco, real estate transactions. I know who bought his house literally on his phone. He didn't even, he just went there to go see his, um, the house, but all the transaction was done digitally. And that to me is amazing. The level of trust in that transaction was very heightened in my mind, uh, given the climate we find ourselves. But that happened, and I was very impressed by that. Finance and insurance, obviously, we are in that same sector, and we've seen how that's grown. We've seen a lot of creative destruction, if you like. Joseph Schimpeter phrased that. And you see uh, a new company coming to acquire a, a, a legacy company like um, Titan Trust, buying Union Bank. Um, You see entrance into the um, merchant bank space. Uh, You have Nova Merchant Bank. You have Greenwich Merchant Bank and so on. And, and, you know, Nigeria is quite dynamic. So transportation and storage, you listed it as a green shoot. And I'm beginning to question if we're in the same country. Why I say this is because cost of transportation has gone up. The storage facilities in Nigeria remains wanting because if they were really good, we would be exporting more. We have the African Growth and Opportunity Act, AGWA, to key into which Nigeria hasn't really benefited from that, you know, um, um, policy by the U.S. government. That was actually coined during the George W. Bush era in 2002 and so on. Uh, and quite frankly, the, the storage facilities in Nigeria may not be the best. That's why a lot of times Ghana and other countries get the benefit and credit for Nigerian goods. I'll mm. pause there. <laughs> okay, let me flip the coin. Um, so there are sectors that are seen as laggards, and those are the sectors that registered contractions. And some of them for the second quarter of this year were uh, mining, and then there's a sector called electricity, gas, steam, and air conditioning supply. I think its contribution to GDP is less than 1%. I know that um, green shoots, 
and um, okay. <laughs> yeah, based on your response, you don't agree with some of them, but like from a data perspective, those sectors mentioned are green shoots, just from a data perspective. But um, I know green shoots are usually the focus, but do you think that there are hidden gems in laggards? And um, which of these um, laggards or sectors that have been contracting over the past, let's say, three quarters, would you encourage investors to keep on their um, alert list? Okay, so that's a good question. I'm not going to be prescriptive in my recommendation. However, I will say this. Um, my gut tells me mining and quarrying is going to be a, a diamond in the rough um, because um, it, it's, you have to have the stomach to be in that sector, to be honest with you. Um, it takes a lot of um, patient capital, but if you're there, just know this, you will be receiving and benefiting from the fruits of your labor in that sector. Um, right now, quite frankly, you have a lot of illegal mining occurring, but also, how dare I say, international folks um, are actually deriving huge benefits from the mining sector. If you go to the northern um, um, uh, region, Zamfara and so on, you find that a lot of uh, international companies are there mining gold and so on. So if you have the stomach to be there, be there. But electricity, gas, steam, let me start about electricity. Anyway, we are in Nigeria. And um, we know what the discos are going through. I, I don't even know how to even uh, begin to say this is a diamond in the rough because of the turmoil happening there right now. Perhaps uh, there's always uh, uh, a silver lining, if you will. But uh, I'll be, I'll, I'll, I wouldn't advise my investors to go into electricity right now because of the the tumult there. Okay. Air conditioning supply, I, I don't know how many Nigerian endogenous countries, um, or sorry, indigenous countries, um, um, produce, um, you know, air conditioners. But um, in terms of, you know, going to China or Taiwan or any other Asian, Southeast Asian or South Asian countries um, to buy it, to rebrand and label it a Nigerian name and bring it back home, uh, you're going to still, you know, you're going to import the inflation along the way with the supply chain bottlenecks and so on. So I don't know. But I would say mining and quarrying, that's literally a diamond in the rough. Okay. Okay, that that is that is a good. Um, I, I think I would, I would agree with you um, regarding mining. I feel like that is a an industry or a sector that that is hugely untapped. So, I agree. I anyway. agree. <laughs> so GDP growth is such a hot topic now, um, given the macroeconomic shocks felt across different countries, and of course. This has been triggered by um, the ongoing Russia-Ukraine crisis. Now, now the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine started in February, so in Q1. The ripple effect became evident in subsequent months. What we have seen is price surges across deregulated products and select commodities, which, of course, impacts um, economic activity. 
Now, on a Q on Q basis, GDP contracted by minus 0.4%, manufacturing contracted by as high as 15.5%, and um, trade grew on a Q on Q basis by 3.8%. Just looking ahead, how do you see growth trends given the current global macroeconomic shocks? That's a loaded question. <laughs> but to be honest with you, um, if you think about it, um, we have reached uh, the surge in ter- the price surges in the deregulated products. That's the new equilibrium clearing price. And that's okay. Now, you have to remember this now. Not everybody will be your customer. So from a business standpoint, you have to market to a different set of clientele. Or or you kind of take a hit from a business perspective and sell at a lower, at a discounted price to your customers. But beyond that, though, in terms of trend for um, the sectors in particular, manufacturing as well as trade, I'm convinced manufacturing sector is going to be a boom sector in the near future. This is just a, a blip in the overall business cycle, you know, there are peaks, there are troughs, but in the end, this is just a blip. I, I'm not worried about the 15% quarter-on-quarter decline. Simply, it sounds crazy to say this because it's 15%, but it's because of the exogenous variables occurring. The supply chain bottlenecks, the, the Russia-Ukraine war, that's largely causing it. And now you have the central bank, the Federal Reserve Bank, if you will, in the U.S., further tightening. So if they, what happens in the U.S. happens across the global economy. We're in a globalized age, and this is the age of global discontent, if you like. So uh, manufacturing is contracted for now, but in the end, I sincerely believe it will pick up steam again. Policies can be created and implemented to improve this. I can roll out a couple, if, if you permit. Um, consider this. We have a situation where there's FX illiquidity and Naira excess liquidity, right? And you have a situation whereby the airlines, by the way, I'm going to pivot for the airlines to make my point here. The airlines were trying to pull out of the country simply because they're not being able to access the dollar to repatriate back to the respective countries. Now, the central bank released, I think, a sum of 265 or so million dollars uh, to the airlines. But my question is, was that money released at the INE window level or at the parallel market level? Because we don't want a situation whereby the airlines are double dipping, right? But what I would recommend or what I would prescribe, because I feel like there's excess liquidity in Naira, given the M3, money supply three in the economy. In your response, you highlighted um, FX, the exchange rate, because that's the next indicator that I'm going to walk into. Um, the exchange rate remains a front burner topic um, on the NAFX window. There is some level of FX stability, but securing FX in the Palo or black market is becoming increasingly expensive. And um, this is causing strain on operational costs and, of course, impacting imported inflation. But for Nigerians that are in the diaspora community, capitalizing on the relatively weaker currency could be considered. I just want to know from your vantage point, like what sectors would you recommend 
to those within the diaspora that may be keen on, let's say, equity investments or uh, debt financing of um, reputable companies um, within sectors of Nigeria's um, economy? From a diaspora lens, just to answer um, directly, you know, typically when um, financial advisors um, give some counsel to their clients, they always look at um, sectors that are growing as the best sectors to put your money in, whether it's debt or equity. But I'll, I'll, uh, dare I say this, though, there, there's never a waste of crises. There are always sectors that are contracting that is basically the best time to get into. Manufacturing, for example, is a, a great a great sector to go into. Um, the so-called trade, even trade, fast-moving, um, what's that? Fast-moving consumer goods, right? Yeah. That, that's also a good place to be in because of the advent of African Continental Free Trade Agreement. So you have to look at businesses, small businesses, and to a large extent, maybe a little bit bordering on a large, but they have to have the economies of scale to a large extent. They have to be big enough, not too small, but big enough to demonstrate that, hey, we have reach as well, too, to key into. And, uh, I, for example, you look at goods that have usability in the household, so household goods. Um, what would you typically see in a household, whether it's food stuff, whether it's um, a dining table uh, and, and furniture and so on? All these items fit squarely into the trade and the manufacturing segment of our society. So if you find businesses who are keen into that and you have a, you have a connection into the African Continental Free Trade Agreement, I guarantee you, you will see benefits on the, on the counterpart side as well. Because um, uh, there is this organization, uh, government organization, um, NEPC, Export Promotion, Nigerian Export Promotion. And they yeah. it's a one-stop shop. They kind of connect you with your counterparts in different countries, tell you what you need to worry about and so on. That's a good way to get the right information to essentially grow your respective business and have a degree of trust in your counterparty on the other side of the, the, the shores, if you like, depending if you're going outside the country, in, in Africa, or outside of Africa. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know... I don't want to be too prescriptive, but I think I've given enough to kind of capture where I would like to see um, businesses or investors in the diaspora look into. Even the real estate segment is good, high-end real estate now, not uh, not uh, public housing or the lower tier category. Uh, luxury items uh, where you see the um, price tag of about, I don't know, let's say I'm going to be conservative and say around 80 to 90 million because of the price of the Naira right now, the value of the Naira. But um, those types of homes would probably bode well. If, so if there's a real estate company, a property developers that are legitimate, that are credible, that will deliver on their promise, I would advise um, the diaspora community to look into that as well too. Hopefully that's the question. Whether it's debt or equity, I'm indifferent. To be honest, it's a preference based on the diaspora community. Yeah, and of course, based on due diligence that that is carried out as well. So one hundred percent, one hundred percent. 
Okay, so the the elections um, are scheduled to take place in the first quarter of next year, 2023. That's a few months away. What is your GDP growth projection for 2022 and uh, 2023, given that 2022 is a pre-election year and then next year is supposed to be a transition year? So um, for this, the election season, typically we see less economic activities. Um, and we see this because um, the politicians are focused on, um, well, winning and campaigning and ensuring that they get the most votes. But this is a critical time for the Nigerian public. Um, the GDP growth projection, in my mind, will still remain around 3%. Um, I project probably around between lower bound numbers would be 2.9, upper bound numbers would be around 3.4, thereabout. Um, so around 3%, I see that. And it will probably maintain around 3%, between 3 and 3.4% in 2023. I say this because of the quantum of liquidity in the system and the level of activities occurring right now. So if we were to remain at steady state, that's what we'll end up seeing. But if we have shocks occurring, like if there is a, I don't know, uh, I don't know, hypothetically, an attack, uh, that might, you know, make people less secure and they will be less likely to go out and do their their respective businesses. Uh, and so, you know, this depends on the shocks we end up seeing between now and the election period and beyond that, because in the end, depending on the outcome of the election, uh, will determine if we're going to be, it'll be a smooth transition or not. So this is a caveat I'm putting out there. Even though I believe we'll still be in growth trajectory, 3% thereabout, um, it's a caveat given that I don't know if there might be some endogenous shocks occurring, which will hamper um, um, growth. Okay. So that is um, somewhat in line with our view as well, because um, we see GDP growth swinging between the 3 to 3.5% year-on-year range. And, of course, that's barring any unforeseen um, economic shocks, as you mentioned. So thank you so much for accepting our invitation and sharing from your extensive bank of knowledge. I'm happy to be here, um, Chinwe. But let me let me just say one more thing, just for the record, so that um, we have, um, uh, I guess, a platform. That way, whoever is listening to this can maybe consider some um, constructive um, policies that will achieve inclusive growth. Because there's one thing to have a 3.54% GDP growth for Q2 and the folks bottom 50, 60% of the um, country aren't feeling the growth. Um, so, I mean, conditional cash transfers is a good policy, which the government has actually done and, uh, and, and implemented. However, the volume, quantum, and the transmission, in my mind, remains questionable. I think it should be higher and it should be time-bound. That's one. Um, I also think infrastructure development should be considered as a high priority, uh, whether it's roads, bridges, trains, and securing the train tracks because of the so-called bandits and so on. That's obstructing um, growth because we need people to leave 
urban to rural um, movements and so on. That way we can get some level of growth in that regard. Quality education, quality education cannot be overemphasized. I care about education so much because I, I, I personally, I love to read. I'm a student of history. I, I love structured learning. And I sincerely believe if you educate our girl child, that is the best for the country. We need to empower more women because if we uplift women, Nigeria will be better for it. Um, and finally, I would actually end by saying early childhood development and promoting greater access to finance. And I will say that because hinging the loan on collateral requirement is short-sighted. I sincerely believe when you look beyond collateral requirement, cash flow lending, psychometric evaluation, we can do this. And banks, we need to partner with these respective um, um, borrowers, act as consultants to them, not just pay us our money. And I truly believe that should matter because in the end, this is a partnership because if the businesses fail, the loan goes bad, and if it's not properly collateralized, guess what? Everybody loses for it. So that's where I'll end right now. Thank you so much for having me, Chingwe. Thanks, and those were very insightful contributions. Thank you for that. Thank you for listening. Be sure to look out for the next episode. In the meantime, reflect on the insightful nuggets you received. You can listen by visiting www.coronationmb.com or on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, Spreaker, and Player FM. Mm-hmm.